You're listening to episode 178 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a podcasting coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, and a Canadian with a sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using stories to connect with and positively impact others. Here on the Room to Grow podcast, we're going deep into big topics like relationships, mental health, business, confidence, lifestyle, personal development, and entrepreneurship, and being open, honest, and real about how to learn from tough lessons along the way when life throws you into the unexpected. I bring you thoughts and guests with stories that will change the way you look at the world and yourself so that we can learn from each other and grow with lots of self-love and compassion every step of the way. There's always more room to grow. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And today I have a really special guest that I have been looking forward to having on the podcast for ages now. Her name is Selena Gray, and she's a financial empowerment coach with over 15 years experience reinventing finance for individuals, female entrepreneurs, and small businesses. And Selena believes that money is an inside job, that richness begins within, and she's helped thousands of people transform their relationship with money by focusing on emotions, money mindset, and practical money optimization skills. Selena will, and she is going to teach you in this episode as well, everything that you wish your your mama had about money and show you how to stand in your CEO power in your life and your business. This is absolutely applicable if you are not an entrepreneur or if you have no plans to be an entrepreneur as well, because all of us can benefit with more information and some mindset adjustments when it comes to money, wealth, and our finances. And these are some uncomfortable topics that we're going to get into. My mind was actually blown throughout this episode multiple times. Selena is just so full of information and paints this really rich uh, imagery almost that that was making me almost have flashbacks to my own childhood about stories that I could think of that were related to money and how some of those stories I've carried with me into adulthood, you know, decades later. And in this episode, Selena is really breaking down the whole concept of money as a taboo topic and this new idea of conscious wealth as well that I hadn't even really thought about before. And it was a completely fascinating discussion. She's talking to us about how we tie our self-worth to money and when money can become a source of control that others hold over us, or more likely that we've allowed previous experiences to keep us stuck in old stories around money as well. Selena's talking to us about clashing money stories in relationships. This is a hot topic and how we end up repeating old events around money judgments on that we hold around money and being afraid to even look at our finances. Who's been there, right? And I love this quote uh, from Selena, which is how we spend our money is a direct reflection of how we choose to love ourselves. This episode is incredibly powerful and is an absolute must listen. I have wanted to cover this topic for a really long time, but I was waiting for the right person. And when I finally found Selena, it, it took a few months for us to rearrange our schedules enough to fit, uh, fit each other in, but it was absolutely worth the wait because this is amazing. You are going to get so much out of this. So let's dive in with Selena. I am so pumped that we have Selena Gray with us today. We've been trying to coordinate this interview for I think months now, potentially. <laughs> and we, it's, it's just been like a process, but I am so excited that you are here and that I, I'm just so grateful that you took the time too, because 
you've had a very busy schedule. I've been traveling all over. So we met in the middle and we're making it happen. <laughs> yeah, I am so honored. And I just want to thank you so much for the grace and the patience on the calendar. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. No problem at all. I'm just so pumped to have you. Cause I, I've had, I, there are certain guests because I only do guests by invitation only. There are certain guests that I've had their name in a Google doc for a really long time. And you're one of those people. So I'm just very excited that you're here. <laughs> Super honored. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do and how you help people with all kinds of different areas in their life. Personally. I mean, I know that you're kind of like money based, but I feel like you do so much more than that. Thank you so much. Yeah, certainly money is the sign on my door. My company is called Money Boss, and I'm a chartered professional accountant. And I really hone in the last several years helping women entrepreneurs cash flow stronger, keep more profits, and release their shame around money. But it's been a lifelong obsession for me, this topic of money, and really unpacking how we see money in our day-to-day -day interactions and how it impacts us at a cellular level. And the story of how I got interested in money goes way, way back. You know, I'm you know, my mid thirties now and closing in on, you know, closer to 40 than 30. And when I was, you know, three, four years old, I used to talk about money all the time. And it was really an odd thing for my parents because we were very normal, almost lower middle class and money was a bit of a taboo topic in my household. So here I was like curious about it, talking about it all the time. And my parents were constantly trying to shush me uh, I remember talking about how much things cost and I'd get like, you know, dagger death eyes from a parent when I'd be talking about it at, you know, dinners with family members. And that just continued to be part of my mandate as a child. I realized really early on that if I had my own money and I didn't have to ask my parents for it, it represented freedom to me. So as early as five, I was taking like old newspapers and old magazines and trying to sell it to my neighbors on my street to the point where they were hiding from me because they were so sick of me. But I guess <laughs> part of being an entrepreneurial spirit and I didn't understand back then what that word meant. You know, my dad had his own business, but it wasn't something that was embedded in us. And just in school, I was always fascinated by it. And so I was like very early on, like, you know, 10, 12, I had three jobs. I was, you know, convincing neighbors to hire me to paint things. And my dad, I convinced him to be his bookkeeper. And I was, you know, pumping gas in my local station. And so it was just something that was ingrained in me. And, you know, fast forward in school, I was very much a nerd. I love sports and learning about numbers. And that equated to me becoming a chartered professional accountant. But what I didn't understand was my deeply unhealthy relationship to money. I was always buying things and not understanding its impact on my spirit. And I became a workaholic, I think, from a very early age because of just understanding that money was a gateway to freedom. And I wanted to amass as much of it as I could, as quickly as I could. So at you know 23 years old, I became a controller of an internationally publicly traded company and started working overseas. And that quickly turned into 120 hours a week. And my poor body just didn't love it. And I ignored all the warning signs and ended up in the hospital for a very long time with 
some severe health challenges. I had blood transfusions and IV steroids, and I came out of that hospital a different person. It truly was my rock bottom moment. And I don't know if anyone listening can really relate. Like when you are really super charged about something for the majority of your life, and then you go through this dark phase of realizing everything you're striving towards is like completely for nothing. It's really dark. And that really imprinted on me. I remember leaving the hospital, having to quit my high-flying international career. And I was all of a sudden working for myself. And I blew through $50,000 worth of my savings in like 90 days because I wanted to still have amazing clothing and drink fancy wine. And inside, I was completely empty. So it's a really long-winded synopsis in understanding that I had a really unhealthy relationship to money. And as soon as I learned that and started becoming a student of conscious wealth, I knew I had to tell other people about this because money is with us all for life. And we really need to start having meaningful conversations about how it shows up for each one of us because it's unique. And you nailed it when you, when you introduced me to by saying that, you know, it's more than money because it's, it's in all of our interactions. It's in how we think it's how we process information and it starts from within. Yeah. And, and I love hearing this full, full bodied version of your story because it's really highlighting for so many of us, there, there's so many things that you kind of pointed out there. Like one of them being that money is such a taboo topic especially when it's, it's little kids, you know, like, cause little kids will ask the questions that the rest of us want to avoid. <laughs> and I'm just picturing you as like the cutest little kid ever running around your neighborhood trying to resell newspapers. <laughs> That's adorable, but it's true. It, it's, it's such a taboo topic. And we carry that with us, not only just, just into adulthood, but throughout our entire lives. But then you also mentioned, you know, money representing freedom, which I think is really important too. And I, I really want to explore more around this idea of conscious wealth too. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So just to go back to that concept of like children being curious, you know, one of the best parts of being a child is having a heightened level of consciousness and really just like taking in information and not having the filter of the judgment of society yet. And I think just, you know, if you're, interacting with children at any level, whether it's a parent or a caregiver or an aunt or a teacher, to really honor that curiosity as it comes to money, because it's really generational traumas, you know, whether it's depression or the unspoken or the taboo nature of these money conversations, we need to shed our society of it. We have to allow curiosity around money and really allow for more you know, heightened conversations about what money represents to us. And children are such a beautiful entry point because as we well know, our subconscious mind is being formed in childhood. That curiosity leads to confidence. It leads to inspired action. It really honors who we really are. And it's that point where we're being shushed or we're told that rich people are evil or money grows on trees that really permeates into our belief system. And turns out into adulthood with this really unhealthy relationship around money because we've not been cultivating a conscious view on wealth. And when I mean wealth, I mean literal happiness 
happiness, joy, love, going back to this thought process that we need money to interact as humans in our society and that we can start seeing money as a tool, as a friend, as a relationship to honor our very best lives. And I know that can get very, you know, convoluted and maybe hard to understand, but in our most basic concepts of being conscious is really to own who we are. And I think a lot of the work I do is spending time working with adults who have wounded inner childs within them with their programming around money. And a gift we can give ourselves is to revisit those moments and those beliefs and allow ourselves to be curious around changing our belief system. This so, is so good because I, I really like that you're bringing up to the, the entire idea of generational traumas too, because this is so still largely unexplored. It, it's becoming a bigger topic but people don't understand just how deep some of these things can run, especially when you're looking at, you know, parents or, or in our case, like with grandparents who live through something like the depression and they're going to have a very different view on money and they, they carry that with us and they, and, and they pass it down throughout the generations in, it makes us look at something like money in a very different way than we otherwise would. Like that's just one example, but can you speak a little bit more to that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So in my own personal life, I very much had a mom who could very much now I see that she was troubled by money because that's how she grew up. And so she used to make claims about, you know, the clothing people wore and oh, how nice it must be for them to be rich. And I didn't understand that we weren't, you know, I just assumed that everyone was just happy. And it was very clear from early on that money was a point of contention for her, that, you know, we had to work hard and it would leave us. And there was a couple moments in my childhood when I was probably around the age of six and I got about $150 for my birthday, like from all of my friends and all of my family members, which was a ton of money for me at six. And I remember I had this adorable little purse. It had cherries on it and it had a cute little clasp on it. And my mom took me shopping and I remember shopping around and like, you know, when things don't fit quite right, so you might leave the change room to go get a different size of clothing. And I came back to the change room and my purse was gone with the money in it. And I turned to my mom, I said, mom, do you have my purse? And she goes, no, 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 no. Like you got to watch that or money will leave you. And it's funny because once I started embedding myself into this work, I could literally hear myself saying that with, from within as an adult. Like when I was leaving the hospital and in my spending spree of $50,000, that's exactly what was happening. I was consciously, you know, feeling the depths of my sickness and my subconscious was telling me that money was leaving me and that's in fact what was happening. And I think even as it resulted in my spending habits, you know, I had a pivotal moment in childhood where maybe I was in grade 11, you know, in Canada and we had to all bring certain things for a lunchtime event and I had to bring pretzels. And because of my mom's, you know, awareness around money, she was already having me buy all of my own things, which truly was a gift looking back, but at the time really annoyed me. And I went to the store and I counted the cash I had and I only had enough money for the no name pretzels. So I bought them and I went to school for this event and my entire class just completely made fun of me. They're like, you're such a loser. 
you have a no name pretzels. You're disgusting, you know, and it really imprinted on me. And I didn't understand the gravity of it until again, as an adult, understanding this idea of conscious wealth, that the majority of my 20s into adulthood, I was buying extreme brand name clothing like Burberry and LV and all of these high end designer labels because no one was going to call me no name ever again. And it was a mask I was wearing and using it as a way to keep people from seeing my inner richness. And so I just like people to have a heightened level of awareness that when people like our parents are saying things that it's likely what was told to them by their parents because we haven't really understood how beliefs have been formed around money in a really pivotal way in society. So for my mom, her parents likely would have been, you know, growing up in the depression. Well, maybe that was actually the case that rich people dress differently. Like I had, I had remembered her saying to me, but that we get to choose how much of that we take on as adults and how much we want to pass that along as legacy to our own children or to our own, you know, circle of friends. So I think it's just opening up conversation to understand that, yeah, trauma is trauma and trauma really impacts us around money. And it's, often the low grade anxiety, which I like to call, you know, financial PTSD, that parents can easily influence us to see money in a way that doesn't honor us now, especially growing up with different technology and different levels of education. And really, to me, conscious wealth is giving us our own power back to say, I have, a, I have awareness and I'm still going to choose me. I'm going to choose that I can see this differently. I can let go of beliefs that no longer serve me. I can create new neuropathways. And I can see beyond the word budget and really create a cash flow plan that feels good inside. And that's, that ultimately means inner richness to me. We start from the inside out. I, may I just say I love these personal stories that you're sharing in particular, because I don't, I don't know if anyone listening is going to have the same experience, but I'm having flashbacks in my own life just from hearing some of yours and, and very similar types of, of stories and experiences. But there are things that most of us bury so deep that we wouldn't even associate those types of stories with our current money beliefs and the way that we handle money until we hear something like this that makes us go, wait, yeah, there was that, that thing. I had a very similar experience <laughs> as Selena. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting when you can start to open that door that it's like the floodgates, the, the floodgates start opening and you can really yeah. start to break this down. Emily, you nailed it in that. I think, you know, often when I started in this career path back in 2012, when I kind of opened up this idea of conscious wealth to me, and I was like, think of a time when this happened. And it's hard sometimes to dive into the depths of one's soul and remember these memories. But if you can hear about someone else's experiences or stories that in the moment seem very trivial, trivial but have a massive impact to how we view our money story right now, I really do encourage you to take a hot minute and write down anything that comes to mind if your experience was similar or different and really honor what comes up. Because like you said, when the floodgates open, keep them open because it's all such important information for each one of us to understand 
who we are as it relates to money. And there's very few invitations for us to do this work. You know, in school, we don't really have conversations about cash flow, let alone the emotions around money. Like it's, it's very common for us to all feel money anxiety. And for us, when we feel it, we feel shame. Well, how unfair is that when it's taboo and we can't talk about it, but literally everyone sitting at the table can think of moments where they also too felt money shame. You know, some of the, the clients I have that are worth, you know, $50 million or more in net worth have some of the biggest money shame. And I think that is the pivotal point to this conversation is that money doesn't discriminate on you know, the amount of money you have. Everyone can have money trauma. Everyone can have trauma related to cash flow. And to just invite a conversation from within because this is part of the healing work we all need to do and we all deserve to have. Deserve being the key word there because I think that that's another issue that a lot of us have is that we often don't feel deserving of money or in the case of something like entrepreneurs as well, since I know a lot of people listening are, are entrepreneurs or, or want to be that when the issue of deserving can also come down to um, our self-worth. And when we are creating something that we're putting out into the world that we are then asking for money for, then that changes the conversation even more as opposed to someone who's, you know, going to a job or a, a nine to five every day and, and getting money from that. And then that shifts the conversation in a different direction again, because then it's coming down to even more of a self-worth issue. And that is so closely tied to money, but we often don't even realize it. Emily, you are just dropping wisdom bombs. <laughs> You're <laughs> dropping wisdom bombs. <laughs> this is so important because you're right. Like, as a normal human in society, we have a lot of challenges around money because we've not been taught about it. It's a taboo subject. There's not this idea of prevalent conscious wealth discussions. And then talk about having a business to throw all your wounds up in your face, right? Like having to create a product or create a service that really feels close to our soul's work that could be heart-centered or very much part of our identity. And then having to ask for money from it. And that is a huge challenge for worthiness. And also it's such a beautiful gift to invite ourselves to rise because this is, you know, some of why I got into this work because I realized that I have so many gifts from within, but I wasn't talking about it correctly in a way that honored me and, and really honoring the fact that it could help someone else. And I think that that is an invitation in and of itself is to understand as a business owner that as a CEO, you have an obligation to do the work to really understand that you are worthy because you are human and that you have to start doing the money work because then you can't effectively charge the right pricing to your clients you know that we all know someone if it's not ourselves it's a friend who is giving away a lot of work for free and then can't pay enough our bills and resenting the whole process and then having to go back to a nine to five and that's not fair we deserve to create a wealthy life and it doesn't just have to mean numbers it's about understanding our gifts valuing them appropriately and part of that work begins in healing our money trauma and that may sound counterintuitive but i've seen and worked with thousands of humans on this 
self-worth really begins on viewing yourself through a loving lens and money is tied to it always either directly or indirectly so deep diving into what it takes to be wealthy is a really good conversation and it begins with creating safety to me and that safety piece is is really key and I don't normally bring up personal stories. Um, this is something I've talked about openly on the podcast. So I don't, I don't usually bring up per, my personal stories on guest interviews, but I think this is really relevant here. Originally, why I wanted to have you on the podcast was because I ended uh, a relationship that ended in, the, I found out about nine years of infidelity that had been going on. And part of my issue in the, in the last year or so of ending that relationship was that he had really encouraged me to quit my corporate job and to take the leap into entrepreneurship. And, you know, he would cover the bills if, if uh, I didn't start making money right away or any of that. But I had a lot of um, deep seated money issues again from childhood, watching that diet, that same dynamic play out with my parents where yeah. one of them made all the money, the other one stayed home and it created this um, dynamic, this, this power struggle uh, not even really a struggle. It was just one sort of holding it over the other one. And I always swore that I would never allow that to happen. So in this, in this relationship of mine, I struggled with that for months and months and months because I'm like, no, I cannot be financially dependent on a man. I always swore that I never would be. I never have been up until this point. And it, it created so much fear in me that it made me overlook things that my intuition was kind of screaming at me about that I didn't figure out until later. So I really wanted to explore kind of that, that sort of general idea with you about the fear that, that can be created around money within the dynamic of relationships too, because I think a lot of people deal with that where even if, you know, just one partner makes more than the other one, or, you know, the other one is, is encouraging you to uh, quit your job or, or the other one maybe doesn't want you to quit your job to go full time on, on your side hustle or whatever that is that can play out in so many different ways and it can have a really, really intense impact on our lives. Oh yes. And this is such an important conversation because it's swept under the rug with other money conversations. Like you wouldn't uh, like, it's unbelievable to think about how many people will date and marry others and never have a financial conversation of substance. Like we tiptoe around the subject and I want to make it clear that it's okay if that includes you that it's okay that now today you get to choose and stand in your own power to have honest conversations around money that empower you we've been taught as a society in relationships to abandon ourselves when it comes to money and I want to be clear in saying that we often attract our opposites and that includes opposites when it comes to money. So if you think about yourself as a complex being and you had lots of influences around money that shaped you, you know, your parents, you're growing up, potentially like me, you know, with bullying or in school in certain moments, and that creates a very unique footprint and money story. And then you add the complexities of relationships and then having a person whom you date or marry or just, you know, interact with 
and share money, then all of a sudden think about how they interacted and how they were raised around money and their beliefs. And often those things clash because we tend to attract our opposite. So think of all of that wounding from within gets entirely exacerbated with a partner. And recently I was on an airplane and I just happened to overhear this conversation uh, a lady was looking at one of the pamphlets in the back of, you know, the seat of the airplane. And it was like some beautiful beach. I think it might've been Bora Bora. And she's like, Oh, I would love to go to Bora Bora. And her husband turned to her or what I assume is her husband. I'm making a generalization here, but he said, Oh, I make enough for us. Like, I don't need you worrying about having to go there. And immediately my heart just like felt so tender for both of them because she was, in my assumption, just talking about how excited she was to go on this trip. And for him, he was very wounded by that conversation because to him, that meant that he wasn't providing enough and it triggered him. And I think that whole awareness conversation that we have is such a beautiful gift in relationships as well, to understand that everyone's relationship to money is entirely unique and that conversation is the gateway to really helping our way through this. And that whole concept of abandonment can really turn into financial abuse and financial trauma really quickly, sometimes very unintentionally. Like, for example, in your story, when you're like, I, I vowed to never fall into that power struggle. Well, sometimes we literally repeat those events because that's what we know, right? That's the wounded child within us. And for others, it's something that we repel. And I think the conversation needs to start going, what do I need to do to create safety for myself? How can I stop abandoning myself in this relationship? And it's really about taking small inspired actions. And it begins in awareness. When we know that how we're interacting doesn't feel good from within, especially as it relates to money, we need to start honoring our wounds because wounds for me are just needs not being met. So what do we need financially? Almost always it has nothing to do with numbers. It has something to do with the emotions which led from thoughts and events in the past. So we want to start deep diving into these events from the past. Like for me, when I talked about the designer clothes, that was a big wound of mine. I was literally wasting thousands of dollars and unconsciously spending on clothing so that I could hide who I really was. And once I started having a level of awareness and deciding I got to choose if I wanted to continue that behavior or not, it was very freeing. And it was a moment that really changed for me in, in my self-abandonment. And I invite all of us to consider every day how we abandon ourselves as it relates to relationships and money. Because yeah, it's hard to be in a relationship and it's hard to interact with money, but the lies within. And I think in relationships, there's a lot of abuse of power with money. And not always, but often I'll get couples coming where one who's the breadwinner can really influence the other. And I think we have to start going back to teamwork and understanding that it's family money and having real honest conversations about what safety means, that whoever earns more doesn't mean they get more power that if one spends more, we don't have to shame them, that instead we can work together on finding solutions and really work on harmonizing our money so that 
no one feels abandoned. No one feels financially abused. Does that resonate at all with you? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's really, it's, it's such an interesting way of looking at it when it, it should be teamwork because that's the thing, you know, when, when you're with a partner, you are supposed to be on the same team, but a lot of times it doesn't end up playing out that way, especially when it comes to money, because I loved your story too, about uh, the couple on the airplane, because a lot of people would kind of brush off one or the other, whereas you really see both sides of it. And you see that, you know, he was wounded and kind of triggered by it. And she was just making a comment about, you know, how amazing that that trip would be. They were both very innocent, but when it comes out that way in that kind of interaction, both both parties will end up feeling wronged. And that's a really wronged. great example. And the, the pattern will continue to repeat unless we yes. have an awareness. And one of the things that I love to do, if, if this resonates for you, I'd love for anyone to do it, is this concept of holding space. And I know we talk about this a lot in society, but my personal definition is to be in the mud with someone, to not influence them, to not pass judgment, but simply to hold them and really like make safety known. So if I was helping that couple through that process, I would really acknowledge how they both felt because we often will just go through a moment and then harbor resentment and it comes out in rage later. And instead to acknowledge what was happening and unpack it in a way that feels safe to say like, we really just want to acknowledge that you're doing a good job in this family. Like you're providing the best you can. And her words by saying that wasn't a direct hit on your soul. And obviously what we want to validate that my interpretation of this story was in fact true. I want to make that clear too. But for her to say like, you're allowed to have dreams and it doesn't mean that it's meaning he's any less than. And it, it's all tied to worthiness conversations. And then really coming back to how can we ensure you both feel seen and heard in this conversation going forward? How can we really honor the team? And some of that will be, well, for him to feel safe, he needs to have, and I'm making this up, but this is really truthful conversations I've heard for couples in the past. Well, I really need us to have, you know, $2,000 in our checking account that makes me feel safe. And for her, for her to feel safe, it might mean she, you know, can't critique spending on household things because that doesn't make her feel safe. And then we're starting to out really honorable things from within us that our childhood wounds around money or beliefs that are no longer serving us. And that's when we get to the real inner richness because the trigger point, if we feel resentful or some type of harsh negative emotion, I truly believe that's an invitation for us to do money work because we should get to a place where teamwork, we're going to fail. We always fail around money. I can guarantee you that all of us will. But what we can continue to do better is our awareness, holding space, creating safety, and honoring what that means for each person and who, how you share money. And if it's not working, then we really need to understand what's really going on. Is it the wrong relationship? Are we lying to ourselves? Or do we need to go deeper into our trauma work? Because there's, there's always progress to be had around money beyond the numbers. And that's the thing. It, it's a journey just like anything else. It, we're never going to hit an end point of, okay, I'm good. <laughs> I, I'm <Right>. done now. <laughs> yeah. 
it's an invitation to continue to to heal and to live our best life. And I think that for anyone saying, like, because I hear this sometimes, like, oh, I'm good with my money. I don't need money help. That that in itself is a wound. That we all have work to do in all realms. And if we feel like money isn't one of them, that's okay. Like there's nobody forcing us to do the money work, but it's just for our own peace and inner richness. And I define inner richness as that place where we just feel worthy and safe and happy in our life. And it's not tied to a certain amount in our bank accounts, but acknowledging that numbers can help us feel more safe and I'm not saying we shouldn't look at numbers like that's just ridiculous. We have to look at both of them in harmony, but it's both a strategy and a mindset conversation, not one or the other. Well, and speaking of, of looking at money, this has come up in conversation with a number of people lately. And I have certainly uh, been in this boat before, right? 100%, uh, kind of hiding from our own finances and not even wanting to look at our numbers. Like, just basically in full avoidance mode of, of not looking at the bank account, not looking at the credit card statement and just pretending like they don't exist and carrying on and kind of crossing our fingers and hoping for the best. Like what, what can, what do you say to people when they come to you with that? Because I think it's actually much more common than most of us would admit to. <laughs> oh my word. Like nearly everyone goes through stages of avoidance. And I really believe it's a, it's a component of abandoning oneself again. And I, I know you've heard me say that a few times, but I really believe that we have to start understanding that money cannot be avoided, that it's not such a scary thing because we have it all wrong. We think that we're always not enough, that there's never enough in our bank account and we spend wrong and then we're going to judge ourselves and that turns into shame, which turns into a shame spiral. And instead, if we get curious about our numbers and have different conversations, like I encourage us all to look at our credit card statements differently. You know, society has taught us to be like, why did I overspend here and, and shame ourselves about interest there. And, and instead I would love for us to look at each line item and say, Oh my word, I had such a beautiful dinner with my friend, you know, this night we had such beautiful conversation. I'm so grateful for this friend. Oh, there's interest. Okay, I'll make note of that. Do I want this to continue in my life? Do I want to waste money on interest? No. Okay, I'm going to work on creating systems that honor my life better. Do you see the difference in the languaging? It's instead of a place of shame and resentment and fear and spiraling out of control and instead taking our power back and looking for things to be grateful for and reminding ourselves that we have the power to shift it, that Every single day we wake up, we get to decide how we choose our money and how we spend and how it lands within us. That is the concept of inner richness. And if we start shifting those small inspired actions and saying, instead of shaming myself for spending and instead of looking at it and you know being triggered and being upset with myself, I'm going to give myself grace and I'm going to allow myself to be curious and if I feel shame coming up, I'm going to build myself a toolkit to get out of this because I am not the only human in the world who feels shame around money. I'm going to acknowledge I haven't been taught appropriately about this in school. I'm going to acknowledge that I have the power to shift it. And so when I start feeling that avoidance, I'm going to be gentle with myself. 
but I'm going to start paying attention to what I want to avoid and creating safety around it. And safety to me is about languaging. It's about honoring the path we're in. It's about honoring our best life. And instead of shaming, curiosity allows us to think differently. And I think that that is such a beautiful gift when we avoid our numbers, go, ah, isn't that interesting? I want to avoid my numbers. I wonder what I'm hiding from. I wonder which part of myself I'm abandoning. If I look at my numbers and it's not what I like, what happens? What if we started looking at our numbers without charge? What if we started looking at our numbers and saying, oh, okay, I can see this differently. I can choose to spend differently. I can look for moments of gratitude. I can look for moments of peace. And I may not be perfect, but there's nothing perfect about money. And instead, I'm going to honor the path within. Oh, man. I feel like I need to just take everything you just said and just frame it somewhere. <laughs> Speaking of quotes of yours, this ties in with what you were uh, just talking about. And I pulled it from your Instagram feed. I will, I will reference it in the show notes. You said how we spend our money is a direct reflection of how we choose to love ourselves. And yes. that's kind of been woven like throughout your entire messaging here, but I would love to dig into that a little bit more and talk about kind of more around how money relates to how we are loving ourselves, how we're showing up for ourselves, how we are potentially abandoning ourselves and, and what we can do even more so to start to change that relationship. Yeah. Oh, I just love that you brought this up because often like in relationships, we'll come back to this topic of love and no one ever thinks that money in its most basic form is a representation of love we see it as this form of success or unattainable form of you know competition or you know something that's rooted in negativity or consequence even and for me money is simply an expression of love if we choose to do the work to honor and heal our relationship with money, it's a beautiful gift to ourselves. If we can teach our children about conscious wealth, what a beautiful gift and act of love. If we can have honest, relatable, natural, shame-free conversations around money, it's a form of love to our peer group. Or as it sounds, it's true. It's a part of our living in society. We need money to flourish. And if we start seeing money as this way to love ourselves, we can change the conversation. We can change the language. We can change the abandonment connected to it. And so why I worded it that way is because a lot of us live our life just spending unconsciously. Like we think we have to buy a home here or buy this certain car there. And we forget to think about the motivations from within. There's often a level of comparison or competition similar to me when I was buying all those beautiful brand name clothing. Now I get to ask myself, do I want to wear the brand name clothing because I love it? Or am I wearing the brand name clothing as a mask in hiding from who I really am? Am I really who I want to be in this life? And I would love for everyone to start paying attention to that. How are you spending your money? Do you like the and start spending your money on those things? And in my life, I really love and cherish travel. So a lot of my money goes to that. 
and I will consciously choose to not spend money on other things so that I can travel. And it really helps us prioritize what we want from this life instead of just spending on things because we're trying to fill voids. Like I was spending on brand name clothing to fill a void that kids made fun of me and I had no idea. Like if you would have said to me, Emily, in this call that I would have ever have associated me spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on brand name clothing from a pretzel moment in high school, I would have laughed. But that's how important this work is. It's from small, minute moments that build up over time. And we have to get back to love. Like we all need to belong and we need to belong most to ourselves. We need to love ourselves and we get to choose how we spend our money. And sometimes we feel like our choice isn't there, but if we show up and do the work and really start understanding how we value things in life, that our spending doesn't have to look the same as our friends or our parents or anyone else, that we are free to choose because we have one life and we want to live it to our highest and best that opens up new dialogue. And that's why I wanted to phrase money as a direct reflection of how we choose to love ourselves. Because if we start spending and saying, oh, am I doing this from a place of scarcity or am I doing this a place of loving myself? Like if you really love the apartment you live in and it costs you a lot of money, don't shame yourself for it. If you deeply value that apartment and you feel like it's good value, really honor that, cherish it, have gratitude for that. If you're you know, not buying yourself anything that lights you up, start and start in small increments. Money is meant to bring us joyful moments. It's not meant to define us, it's meant to elevate our life. That's why there's so many studies saying at a certain level of threshold, whether it's 75,000 or 80,000 a year, there's no change in joy because it's just part of our interactions. And that's one of the things I love most about entrepreneurship is the more work we do within ourselves, the more we invest in ourselves, the possibilities for earning are literally limitless. And so that love conversation never changes, no matter how much money we have or don't have. It's one of the best gifts we can ever give ourselves. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it, and I love too that, that entire concept of uh, keeping up with the Joneses too. I mean, I, I love that, that you're bringing it up. I mean, but I'm a, also a big fan of really reevaluating one's choices to make sure that they're lining up with what you actually want, not what society tells you you should, or, you know, because uh, if somebody down the street has the thing and you think that then you should do it because they have it too, it's, we have to get much more honest and clear and, and get to know ourselves better to figure out what we're, what we actually want to prioritize as opposed to, are we just falling into the trap of wanting something because somebody else has it or because yeah, somebody giving it the airtime, like literally yeah. giving it the airtime to say like, wow, I've never really thought of this before. Well, now's the time. You know, there's so many financial gurus out there who are who are like saying, oh, we shouldn't be spending on this or we should be spending on that. And while a lot of that advice can be very valid, for me, it's more basic than that. Yes, we numbers can support our goals and our dreams, but unless we do the inner work first, it's all for naught. Like you can have the very best budget, financially sound, the numbers and the math make sense. 
But if your mindset isn't honored through that process, you won't commit to it. And that's why so many of us fail at it because it's an inside job first. And a lot of these concepts aren't new. Like you can go and Google all the ways to create a healthy, you know, cash flow plan. But what I've learned the hard way through my own life was that more money doesn't always mean less problems. Like we know the song <laughs> in first. And this probably isn't a normal conversation like in the show. You're like, oh, she brought on a CPA. Okay, cool. Like, I don't speak regular CPA things. And don't get me wrong, numbers are very valid. They have a huge place in our society, and I love them because I'm a super nerd. But it's more than that. And I, I really like to have these conversations because in your group, I'm certain thought I was insane inside, you know, the CPA community because numbers are our livelihood but the conversation is more it's numbers plus mindset and so i want you all to to get curious about your past i want you all to get curious about the languaging you use around money you know saying the words i can't afford that is really limiting instead do a shift to say i choose to spend on this instead you know like because it's ultimately all based in choice we all get to choose how we spend some of our money at the very least so just uh, if anything remember that you can do simple math you can use calculators that, that is not your gateway to healing your relationship with money what really matters is that you honor yourself the conversations you have heightened awareness for the areas of your life that you have abandoned yourself as it relates indirectly or directly with money and give yourself the gift of having conversation and saying, does this honor me? Like, is this the truth for that, what I want in my life? Or am, am I able to shift this thought and change it to something that better aligns to me? And over the last, you know, several years, that has been my mission and I've seen it transform thousands of people. And it's not necessarily, you know, really complicated work. It can be very simple, but it's hard to execute. You have to deep dive into your inner knowing, your inner self, into your subconscious. But the result on the other side is so transformational. It completely changes your relationship with money. And I, I really believe it's a gift we all must give to ourselves because we deserve to feel rich from the inside out. Selena, I can't tell you how valuable this conversation has been. I, I, I have found it incredibly valuable and I know that everyone else is going to find it just massively transformative as well, because this is just, you've opened the door to so many things that's that so many of us ignore uh, on a regular basis. And I think that you've, triggered a lot of things in the best possible way too. Um, so I want to make sure that everybody can connect with you. So where can everyone find you and chat with you and work with you? All of the things. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the work you do and for making sure our schedules align so we could have this conversation. <laughs> I just also wanted to tell everyone that there is no shame in seeking, you know, extra help in this topic. Like if there's something that comes up for you and you feel called to do extra work, you know, 
do it. You know, the triggering, we don't need it to be a shame spiral. We, we need it to be a gift in our life. So continue the conversation, even if it's hard, but keep yourself safe in the process. So you can come find me at selenagray.com. I'm on Instagram at Selena G Money. I also have a group called She's a Money Boss on Facebook. We go in there and have lots of conversations about like what can be healing and transformative for women entrepreneurs. But ultimately, you know, I, I feel like the work from within is most important. So re-listen to this podcast if you feel called. Write down the stories from your past and commit to making change and you will see the results. And I, I always wrap up with one final question, which is if you could offer people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? Ooh, this is such a good question. I would base this off of my own personal experience in that running from your money trauma is the worst possible thing to instead sit in stillness and look for the lessons in your life around money. And instead of feeling shame, feel pride and feel power for the possibility of who you are becoming because you are more than enough today and your choices and your actions can result in your highest and best self. Believe from within that you are enough and richness starts from within. Okay. That I really do need to frame somewhere. <laughs> that was a fantastic answer. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank oh you my so goodness. Oh no. Thank you for coming on. This has just been incredible. This has been, I'm going to be re-listening to this in multiple times as well. Um, and I'm hoping to actually see you in person later this year too, because I just adore you and everything that you're doing. So yes, everyone make sure to go and follow Selena. Everything will be linked up in the show notes and Selena, just thank you so much for, for your time and your generosity with opening your heart and sharing some, some very personal stories and really encouraging everyone else to do the same as well, because I think that it's going to make a really huge difference in a lot of lives. It's been my honor. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. I'm so incredibly grateful that you took the time because it means the absolute world to me. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so that I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday with brand new episodes, and I am looking forward to growing with you.